Do you want to learn how to manage your own investments? Are you ready to stop paying investment management fees and start building wealth? The DIY Investing Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, and resources you need to be a better investor. Learn how to make investments through the use of fundamental analysis, mental models, and business management insights. Now, here's your host, value investing expert, Trey Henninger. Hello and welcome to the DIY Investing Podcast. My name is Trey Hinniger and I'm your host. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get more great investing content. If you're listening on YouTube, also hit the like button on this video. And if you subscribe, hit the notification piece as well. Any other platform, your five-star rating and review are a great way to support the show. Thank you for your support. So today I want to answer a common, frequently asked question that I receive when I get feedback from fellow investors. And that question revolves around conviction. So today's focus for this podcast is how to build conviction in a stock idea. This is a commonly asked question to me because I like to have a portfolio of five stocks. And so it's a concentrated portfolio where each position could make up about 20% of the portfolio. So the question is, how do you build the conviction to put 20% of your portfolio into a single stock? Isn't that dangerous? Aren't there risks involved by investing all of your money into a concentrated portfolio? What are the risks for doing so? How do you have the conviction and confidence that you can put so much money into a single idea? So I think this is a really good question, and instead of answering it to each individual in the future, um, although I'm happy to do that, I want to have a podcast that I can point you to, to point you to say, hey, this is how I build conviction in a stock idea, because I think it's a very important um, process for investors to consider, and I think it's valuable, not just for concentrated investors, but I think it's a valuable topic for people who want a more diversified portfolio as well. So along with that, the central thesis around this episode and how I build conviction in a stock is that conviction is a function of four things. Conviction is a function of your opportunity cost, your margin of safety, your position sizing, and your upside. Those are the four things that matter in terms of your conviction. Opportunity cost, margin of safety, position sizing, and upside. So we're going to dive into each of these ideas one by one, and I think you'll get a greater understanding of how I build conviction as I do this. First and foremost, opportunity cost. Opportunity cost is everything in terms of investing. Now, you might hear me say that multiple times today, so forgive me for that. But opportunity cost is very, very important. If your portfolio is brand new, if your portfolio is full of cash, let's say you got um, an inheritance or you just got a bonus or something along those lines and you have a lot of cash that you need to invest, it's going to be very easy to make mistakes with your portfolio because you're going to be wanting to find a way to get that cash invested. You're going to reach out and say, hey, cash is returning less than 1% in my portfolio. 
Maybe I accept a stock that's only returning 4% or 6% or 8%. Yeah, my goal is 10%, but right now I'm only getting 1%. It's all cash. What do I do? How do I get rid of this? And it can be hard to build conviction in finding really good ideas if you have cash burning a hole in your pocket. So this is where opportunity cost comes into it. The more opportunity cost you have, the greater conviction that you need to overcome that opportunity cost. Basically, if you have a position, if you have a portfolio that's full of a lot of great stocks, you've bought these stocks in the past, you really like them, you know them very, very well, well, now you're going to need a lot of conviction to overcome before you make an investment in a new company. Because let's say you already have a portfolio of five stocks, 20% each, and you're doing research and you're trying to find that sixth company. Well, that sixth company is going to have to replace your fifth worst company in your portfolio, which means it need to be better than the companies already in your portfolio. And those companies are our good companies. They're high quality companies. Um, they're companies with growth prospects. They're good valuations. There's a reason you chose them originally. So now you're going to need more conviction because your opportunity cost is now higher. You're not you're not switching out cash for a position. You're switching out a stock that already is in a good position. So this can make it very difficult when you when investors talk to each other because some investors or because all investors have a different opportunity cost from each other. Some investors have cash, some investors have stocks, some investors are 50% cash, 50% stocks. Some investors have better stocks in their portfolio than other investors. And so it's not as simple as saying that opportunity cost is simply what your discount rate is. And so my discount rate, I've, I've talked before on the podcast, is 10%. So it's not saying that my opportunity cost is 10%. It's like, no, my opportunity cost is 10% the floor. But you need to be better than all the other stocks in my portfolio, or not not better than all the other stocks in my portfolio, but you have to be better than the worst stock in my current portfolio before you get into my current portfolio. And maybe that stock is set up to return 15% or 20%. So now my opportunity cost is much higher and I need more conviction. Okay, so opportunity cost doesn't help you build conviction, but it is a function of the level of conviction that you need in order to make an investment. So what is the second piece that changes the amount of conviction that you need before you make an investment? And that's position sizing. So position sizing is really straightforward. I could make this complex, but it's really simple. The smaller your positions, the less conviction you need. So if you're going to have 1% positions in your portfolio, let's say you're going to have a portfolio of 100 stocks, and each stock is going to be 1% of your portfolio, you need a really low amount of conviction in order to buy a company. Basically, you could, if you're going to be that diversified across 100 companies, it might be as simple as like, hey, this company's cheap. It's okay, but it's cheap. Maybe that deserves a 1% position. Oh, hey, this company's expensive, but it's really high quality. Maybe that deserves a 1% position. Bam, done. And so when you only need a 1% position, you only need 1% conviction, 1% positions worth of conviction, which is a lower level than a 20% positions worth of conviction. So the smaller your positions, the less conviction you need, and the larger your positions, the more conviction you need. So 
your opportunity cost and your position sizing are playing into the amount of conviction you need before you make an investment. But it doesn't necessarily cause you to gain conviction, but it does create the baseline by which you need to judge yourself against. You need to understand what your baseline amount of conviction is because that is going to make a difference. And the only way to do this is to start trying to invest, you know, figuring out what type of portfolio you want. If you want a diversified portfolio of 30 stocks at 3% each, great. If you want a, if a concentrated portfolio of five stocks, 20% each, great. If you want, you know, somewhere in the middle and 10 stocks, 10% each, great. All of those can work. All of those are effective ways of investing. But each one is going to require a different amount of conviction. And you need to be aware of that. So, what actually helps you build your conviction? Well, two things help you build your conviction. And I'm convinced these are basically the only two things that matter in building your conviction. And they are your margin of safety and your upside. Margin of safety is another word of what protects your downside. And upside is how much money you make if you're right. Now, these are interrelated. They're not completely independent. Basically, the more margin of safety you have, generally the more upside you have. That's not always true, but they are related. They're not completely independent of each other. They're dependent variables. But margin of safety is the absolute most important one. Um, Rule number one is don't lose money. Okay. And you can't forget rule number one. So margin of safety, don't lose money. How are you not going to lose money? Now, like I said, this is related to how much upside you, you have. For instance, people talk about buying a 50 cent dollar. So that provides you some margin of safety. It provides you 50 cents of margin of safety, but it also provides you with 50 cents of upside because that's 50 cents you can now increase in value from your stock. Well, what if you buy a 10 cent dollar? Well, now you have 90% of, of margin of safety you also have 90 cents of upside, which is huge. So your upside, instead of being 100%, is now 1,000%. So you're talking about the difference between um, doubling and a 10-bagger. And that's a huge difference on the upside side. So margin of safety and upside are related. But margin of safety is where it is. And so how do you build conviction in a stock idea? And here I want to present margin of safety as the idea of a checklist, okay? So when you're building your conviction, you're building your conviction by checking off a checklist. So your conviction is like a checklist. The more boxes you can check, the greater your conviction. It seems simplistic, but this is true. Like if you were to think about um, what you want in a company and you just make a laundry list of everything you want in a company, you want high returns on capital, you want a good industry, you want low competition, maybe you want it to be a monopoly, maybe you want lots of pricing power or um, the business needs to be durable, it needs to have a good management, um, you don't want there to be any dilution. In fact, in addition to no dilution, you want share buybacks. And not only do you want the management to be good, you want to have insider purchases. And not only do you want insider purchases, but you want there to be a lower than average stock price. You want a cheap price, but you want it to be an excellent, wonderful company at a cheap price. Um, you want it all. So what you need to do, and I, this is serious, this is, a, this is homework for today. You need to make a list 
of what is a perfect investment for you. So I, I had some ideas that I just presented to you, you know, above average industry, above average company within the industry. Um, those were inspired by a, a focused compounding episode that I listened to. Um, but some of these others are very important too: high returns on capital, durability, skilled management, skin in the game, no dilution, share buybacks, dividends, lower than average prices, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These are some ideas, but what you need to do is you need to make yourself a checklist. I can't make it for you. I can just, I can present ideas, but you need to think about what is your perfect investment? If you had a company, if you could dream it up, if you could make it up and put it down on paper and you said, what are the items? What would my checklist look like that if I were able to check every single box, it would be a perfect investment. And make that checklist. It can be as long as you want. It can be 10 items, 20 items, 30 items, whatever you want. Now, they need to be concrete. They need to be measurable. They need to be things you can understand, things you can analysis. So you can't say, uh, you can't put on there that the stock will return a 1,000% this year because it's not predictable in advance. Now, you can talk about the upside later on and say, well, how high could it go? But that's not on this checklist. We're talking about a margin of safety checklist. What are the things you want that is a perfect investment? You know, what are the growth rates? What is, uh, you know, do they have pricing power? And put this here as a checklist item. Write it out. Um, but make sure it's something that you can evaluate a company on, that you can take this checklist and you can hold it up to Apple or you can hold it up to Amazon or you can hold it up to Walmart and say, how many items on this checklist does this company meet today? You should be able to check off the stuff on this item simply by running down through a 10K and doing your analysis and figuring out, does my company meet this checklist? And the key point is, is this is how you build conviction because it's going to be incredibly rare for a company to meet every item on your checklist. But let's say your checklist is 10 items long. That's a good length of a checklist, 10 items long. Well, if a company meets all 10 items, hey, it's your perfect investment. So you should have very high conviction in this idea because it's, 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 it meets every item on your checklist, everything you want. That's your highest conviction idea. It meets every item. But, but now you have a tool to judge companies against each other. Now you know that if a company checks off nine items of the list, you can compare that favorably to a company that can only check off six items of the list. Well, six items is still a really good amount. Um, you know, because you're talking about maybe it has high returns on capital, pricing power, some growth one way, but you know, it, it's a high price. So it's not everything, but it has some really good items. Well, maybe that nine checklist item also has a low price. Well, now you're feeling really good about the investment. You're starting to have more conviction. So I think the idea of checklist is really useful because what it can do is it can take your rational mind translate it into a checklist that you can now use when you're investing as an irrational investor. Um, most people don't realize that almost everyone is irrational um, and you're irrational at different times. But the point of being a good investor is you need to understand how to harness your rationality during times of irrationality, which can be times when stock prices are falling, stuff like the coronavirus 
crashing the market, um, days where the stocks crash 10% or more in a day. These are times where irrationality can reign, when you can let your emotions take control of you. So you need a way of evaluating companies and building conviction during times of crisis. So you need to come up with what is your perfect investment so that you know in advance how many items a stock might check off. Because some of these items aren't going to change with stock price. Stock price or a low price should only be one of the items on your checklist. Now, maybe there's multiple types. You know, you could have stuff like low debt or no debt. Um, And so um, it's not just market price, but it's also enterprise value. So understanding how much cash is on the balance sheet versus how much debt, that should be part of the checklist as well. Um, but price, market price alone is only one item on your checklist. So for instance, if you had a 10 item checklist and item 10 was, was price and it, and an investment checked every item, but price, that's really useful to know because it means that all you need to have a very high conviction stock idea is to wait for the price to drop. Will it drop? I have no idea. Um, It's impossible to predict whether some stocks are going to drop in price or not. But what it's helpful to do is over time, your purpose of your research is to identify companies that meet 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10 of your items. And maybe the only thing they're missing is price. Well, that becomes your watch list. You build up your watch list to say, hey, these are companies that I would love to buy. All I need is the price. And if the price hits, you can go back to your checklist and say, hey, I still have my high returns on capital. I still have my high quality business. I still have skilled management. I still have no dilution. And you go down and, but you know what? Now I have price. So you check it off and say, I have a full checklist now. So this company becomes a perfect investment because I've done the work up front to evaluate it. All you have to do during times of market turmoil is go back and check to make sure those things are still there. You already know the company. You already know the management. You already know the industry. All you're checking is the price and making sure that nothing else has changed. When you do that, you're able to have high conviction in ideas and you can act quickly when times arise. And this is very important for concentrated investors. Now, it's important for all investors, but it's especially important for concentrated investors because when you have a limited number of companies in your portfolio, you really want it all. You need a really large margin of safety. And that margin of safety is expanded by every single item you get. It's a lot harder for a company to end up as a bad result if it has multiple of items. And the more and more you have, the better. Because it means that, let's talk about some of these items on the list. Above average industry. So above average industries are going to have better returns on capital, maybe lower lower competition, that sort of thing. Well, maybe the company ceases to be in an above average industry, but it's still the above average company within its industry. Well, that provides some protection toward, towards your capital. Or maybe it has high returns on capital and it retains those high returns on capital, but maybe you lose the good management. Well, that's not good, but you still have the high returns on capital. So even with a lower quality management, you still have some protection for your capital. So all of these factors are incremental improvements on your margin of safety. A lot of times, I think margin of safety is talked about in terms of only price. And when you only focus on price for margin of safety, you ignore many different other aspects of your investment which can protect you from losing money. 
And that's a mistake because everything matters. Now, you're not going to know everything with a company. That's impossible. It's impossible to know everything that may affect a company's performance. But there's so many things that matter that you want to understand the different components that matter. You want to understand which components are important for your company. And you need to compare them rationally against other companies. Because as a new investor, it's easy to focus on a finding new ideas, finding new companies to add to your portfolio. But at some point, you will have a full portfolio of ideas and you're going to have a watch list and you need to be able to compare the fifth best idea in your investment portfolio. Or let's say you have 20 stocks in your portfolio. You need to have them ranked one through 20. Well, how do you do that? Well, one of the ways is to understand what your margin of safety is in each company have a checklist for those companies, have an idea of which pieces they meet and which pieces they don't. And maybe the stock price is your tiebreaker, but it's only one component of your evaluation. So you build conviction by expanding the margin of safety, by making sure it's a lot harder to get something wrong, and by hitting off as many of these different ideas as possible. So I'll just you know, hit on them again before I move on to upside. You want an above average industry. You want above average company within that industry. You want high returns on capital, durable business, skilled management, management with skin in the game, which means that they do stock purchases at the market price in the open market, just like you. You don't want management diluting you. And ideally, they'll be doing buybacks to buy back their stock. On top of that, you don't just want average prices. You want lower than average prices. You want cheap prices. Um, You want low competition, pricing power. All sorts of these things contribute to your margin of safety and help you to build conviction in a stock idea. So let's go on to upside now. I've hit margin of safety to death here, um, but I think I've given you the tools now to understand that your conviction is like a checklist. The more boxes you check, the greater your conviction. So upside, in my early days as an investor, and some would argue I'm still in my early days as an investor, but I, you know, after a decade, it's, it's quite a bit of time, um, I focused primarily on margin of safety, and I did not focus enough on upside. So upside is how high can this stock go? How high can this business performance go? And so the secondary question that I like to ask, you know, is it possible for this company to be a 10 bagger or a hundred bagger? How much can this company grow? How much money can I make from this company if everything works out well? What is the positive optimistic outcome for this company? You know, I've spent a lot of time in my previous experience always focusing what are the downsides? What's the most conservative scenario? How do I make sure I don't lose money? But I think it's also important, not not as important, but also important to look at the upside. Because where, where I've tended to make a mistake is that I'm buying companies that don't have enough upside. I want to buy companies that not just prevent me from losing money, but also have the opportunity to make me lots and lots and lots of money. You want the opportunity for that company to go up, not just 2x, but 5x, 10x, 50x, 100x. 
as a value investor or a deep value investor, I feel like the area where people can sometimes improve is understanding the upside of a company. Trying to understand what the company looks like three years, five years, 10 years from now. How big could this company grow? It's not just, is the company undervalued today? But also, will the company have the opportunity to outperform your conservative assumptions? Not just will they meet your conservative assumptions, but how much could they potentially outperform? Because there's a big difference from saying a company has a 6% growth rate, you know, conservatively. Hey, I think they're going to grow 6% a year. And I think they're, they're, I'm really confident they're going to hit 6% a year. And your confidence can hit 6% a year. And maybe the upside is that it, maybe it hits 8% a year instead. But compare that to another company that has 6% a year, you're confident they're going to grow 6% a year, but maybe the upside is they grow 15% a year. Well, that is a huge difference in what your potential stock performance is. Both companies might have the same margin of safety, but one is a much better investment because its upside is significantly higher. You know, six to eight percent growth is going to perform well for you. You can use that amount of growth to get a really high return. But if you're able to sustain 15% growth rates for a decade or more, now you're talking about 10 bagger type returns. And if you're talking multiple decades, you're talking 100 bagger type returns. These are the type of returns that just change your life with a single investment. And so, one of the problems that concentrated investors can have is that you have less opportunity because you have less diversification to have one of these companies that just is mind-boggling high returns. I mean, if you have a company and you're able to hold a company with 20% annual returns for 25 years, that will change your life. And so if you have a 30-stock portfolio, it's much more likely that maybe one of your 30 stocks might end up as that company. And that can work out really well for you, even if it's a small percent of your portfolio to start with, as long as you don't make the mistake of rebalancing. But a five-stock portfolio or a 10-stock portfolio just has less opportunities for that stock to be included because there's less stocks in your portfolio. So as a concentrated investor, you really have to think about upside because that needs to be part of your analysis to make sure you're getting that opportunity for life-changing um, returns. And here, life-changing returns, I'm talking something that's sustained returns above 15% a year. I mean, those returns are, can get mind-boggling high, especially when you start talking 20%, 25%, 30%. And these returns are out there. They're very rare, but I think it can be a mistake to only focus on margin of safety. So I think I've really beat this idea to death. I think this is a good understanding to help open your mind on how I build conviction in a stock idea. And for me, you really have these two different levers. The amount of conviction you need is driven by your opportunity cost and your position sizing. So the more stocks you currently have in your portfolio, the higher your current opportunity cost. Um, or the better stocks you have in your portfolio. The position sizing, the smaller positions need less conviction, larger positions need more conviction. But you build conviction through margin of safety 
and upside. And the best way I've seen to think about margin of safety is really as this checklist. You build your conviction as a checklist. How many items can I check off? And the more items you can check off, the greater your conviction can be in that idea. And your checklist is personal to you. You need to understand what your perfect investment is for you. So that's your homework. Go and think about and write down and make a checklist and then use it to analyze the companies first in your current portfolio and then in the companies that you add to your watch list. Hope this has been helpful to you. The full show notes for this episode, including my outline for today's podcast, are available at DIYinvesting.org slash episode 95. Please remember this is a listener-supported podcast. If you want to support the show, think, is this show worth a dollar an episode? I produce between four to five episodes a month by producing once a week. And the lowest level I have on my patron account um, at DIYinvesting.org slash P-A-T-R-O-N is to support me at $5 a month. $5 a month is basically a dollar per show. So is this show, is this education worth a dollar per show? I hope it is. I'm hoping that I'm providing substantially more than a dollar per show in value. If you can understand investing well, you can change your life by really improving your finances over time. So I hope that I'm providing substantially more value to you than a dollar per show. But if I am, please consider sharing a dollar per show with me on my Patreon account. You can get that at DIYinvesting.org slash patron. That support helps me continue making the show. It helps me understand that I'm helping people and that there's an audience out there who is gaining value from the content. Without that feedback, sometimes it's really hard to know what's producing value, where I can go. And if you're a patron, you can give me directions, what kind of shows you want, what are you interested in. And that feedback can help drive the show to continue to add more and more value for you. So if I'm providing at least a dollar per show in content, but really, you know, what I want to do is 10x that. You know, if I'm providing $10 per show in value in educational content, you know, I think I'm producing 50 plus shows this year. You know, 50 times $10 per show is only $500. I mean, if I've produced $500 in educational content of value to you in the year, I think that's pretty good. Compared to, you know, you talk about a year in college is going to cost $10,000, $30,000. And I'm not asking for that $10. You know, if I can provide, just get 10% of that at a dollar per show, I think that would be really helpful to me to continue producing this content. There's expenses with this, especially as the show continues to grow. Um, I would appreciate the support. So thank you for listening. And until next time, stop paying fees, start building wealth. Thank you for listening to the DIY Investing Podcast. Please visit our website and subscribe to our email list at DIYinvesting.org for guides, videos, and resources to help make you a better investor. The DIY Investing Podcast is presented for general informational and entertainment purposes only. 
I have not considered your specific situation or risk profile, and I have not provided investment advice. The information presented on the DIY Investing Podcast should not be construed as investment advice. The views and opinions expressed on the DIY Investing Podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the show's host or sponsors. DIY Investing, its producers, sponsors, and host, Trey Henniger, shall not be liable for losses resulting from investment decisions based upon information or viewpoints presented on the DIY Investing Podcast. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.